Welcome back to A Good Kid, the 22-year murder mystery of Zeb Quinn. I'm Samir Nafsi. And I'm Holly Hedrick. All right, Holly. In our last episode, we interviewed Robert Jason Owens at the Alexander Correctional Institute, where he's been housed. Now, a reminder, Jason was charged and convicted in the murder of the Cod family in 2015. And as of 2022, Robert Jason Owens pleaded guilty to accessory after the fact of first-degree murder in the Quinn case. In 2015, Robert Jason Owens implicated his uncle, Walter Eugene Owens, who goes by Gene, saying that he was hired as a hitman. And keep in mind, Gene Owens passed away in 2017 from complications of COPD. So in our A Good Kid, the 22-year murder mystery of Zeb Quinn documentary that's now streaming on YouTube as well as WLOS.com, we heard from a lady named Penny Storm. She was the ex-girlfriend of Gene Owens, and she was pretty much in the middle on Gene. She painted a picture of not a great guy. But following that, we have since talked to a man that says he knew Gene Owens on a personal level. And he made claims that Gene said on his deathbed that he had nothing to do with the Quinn case. So in this episode, you'll be hearing from Jeremy Adams. Jeremy Adams reached out to you right after this documentary started streaming. Correct. It was the day the documentary aired. Later that night, I was checking Instagram and he had messaged me and said that he knew Gene and he wanted to at least put something on the record. And again, this is something that Gene said before his passing. This has always been Gene's story, that, that he had nothing to do with the Quinn case. We even have him interviewing with APD saying the same thing. Correct. Gene Owens was also never charged in the Quinn case. He uh, always told investigators he had nothing to do with it. It was well documented in notes as well, uh, Gene's stance on this case. And with that said, all we had to make this and present this podcast as well as a documentary was Jason's narrative, which is a common theme throughout the uh, Good Kid series is a lot of the puzzle pieces are missing in this case. So we decided by doing this interview and this episode, it's our chance yet again to question the story of a convicted killer. I uh, grew up in Henderson County, North Carolina. I um, went off to Raleigh for college, uh, worked for a thing called the NC Insider, which was owned by the News and Observer and McClatchy News. So I was a journalist for quite a while. And then I am now uh, a trial attorney who has a main office in Raleigh and is starting a satellite office out in Asheville. Really quick, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I am 40. 40 years old. Do you recall 2000, the Zeb Quinn case? So, no. Interestingly enough, I didn't get a lot of information about this until much later down the road. Um, I had gone off uh, to college. I was not the type of guy to follow the news at the time. Um, so yeah, I didn't know anything of it. Uh, I think the weird part about it is I think I've crossed paths with almost all of the players except for Zeb Quinn and uh, Jason Owens. I, I don't know either one. Of, I, I never crossed paths with either one of them, but everybody else I kind of have run into before uh, one way or another, or at least I've heard of them. So uh, the whole thing's odd to me. <laughs> When you heard in 2017 that Robert Jason Owens took a plea deal for the Cod murders, and then in 2022, Robert Jason Owens, there was a plea deal accepted by the courts, and Jason implicates his uncle Gene. Did you know Gene Owens? I did know Gene Owens. Um, Gene had worked with my father for probably 20, 25 years. Uh, my father owns a car lot in Fletcher, North Carolina. Uh, and 
Gene um, was a pretty good guy. I think the the thing that has bothered me as I've paid attention to this case, because I come back in town and all of a sudden here it is, uh, no one's really speaking up for Gene. Um, and the Gene Owens I knew uh, was a good human. Um, and on top of that, my my father was probably his best friend. Uh, I do know that within a day or two of his death, my father had asked him about it and he had sworn on his deathbed that he had never met or heard of Zeb Quinn before everybody else did. The first time he said he saw him was uh, on a billboard, essentially. And uh, I had said, uh, my father found this really offensive uh, on a certain level. And to give you an idea who Gene was, let me give you a story about Gene. My father had a heart attack a few years ago. And this is when Gene was still alive. And he, uh, I was in Raleigh. Gene would call me every few days to give me an update on how my father's recovery was going. He would drive down to my father's house every day to check on him, make sure he's taking his medicine and drive him around wherever the heck he needed to go. When I was a kid and my car broke down, Gene would get up, get off his, get off his butt and come straight to help me out. That's the Gene Owens I know. I would be very surprised if he even had the capacity to kill someone, let alone act as a hitman. Let's backtrack. What do you, do you recall the first time you ever met Gene Owens? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I, and I can't say I can tell you a date or anything about that, but he, uh, he kind of worked as a mechanic. And um, my father and he would go buy these beat up non-functional cars and just fix them up and sell them. And they did that pretty much for 20, for 20 years. Uh, and I remember him as being a guy who, uh, he was really direct, he was pretty funny, but he, he cared for people. He'd check on them, he'd take care of them. Um, you know, nobody knows anything about what really happens in the world. I've been a lawyer long enough to know you can't tell. I'd be really surprised if Gene had anything to do with the death of Zeb Quinn. And then do you know about, I know you said your dad would, would work with Gene with the mechanical aspect. Do you know about how long they were friends, 20 years? Oh, way longer than that. Okay. Um, so my understanding is that they, you know, they'd known each other since I think my dad was 16. Um, and he's you know, in his 70s now. Uh, so quite a while. I mean, my first interactions with Gene, with Gene were always kind of at the car lot or, you know, my car had broken down and my dad was out of town. And so, you know, I, I just, I have nothing but good memories of the guy. He was interesting. He was a character. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think, um, I think anyone would tell you that. And he was always smoking and he was always kind of telling a bad joke, but I, you know, he, he was just, he was just a decent human as far as I can tell. Did you know, do you have any context of that family dynamic, obviously, in regards to uh, his mother as well as Jason and his, his brother, Scotty? So, not entirely. I've got some things for context. I know Gene didn't talk too much about his family. 
Um, and I know he probably didn't see them that much. I also know that when he died and uh, my father got wind of it and the family got wind of it, the family declined to pick up his body. And my father uh, dealt with all of that. He went and picked up the body, had him cremated, took care of that. That's how close friends they were. Why do you think he did that? Uh, probably in truth, because Gene would have done the same for him. Switching gears a little bit. Do you know anything? So Jason, per his plea agreement, uh, stated a, a narrative that Gene Owens allegedly sold drugs to a man by the name of Adam Wright. Do you have any context or any knowledge of Gene Owens ever selling drugs to anyone? I don't. Um, and again, I can't say I know. I mean, I've been in Raleigh for quite a while, and I would see Gene every time I come back, basically. But I, I never... I never knew him to particularly be in that effort, um, and, and I, I'd be surprised if that was something he was doing a lot of, if at all. What about, we reached out, so Jason's defense, Vicki Jane and Sean Devereaux did some investigating of their own, and they found a lady by the name of Penny Storm Owensby. That's a person who dated Gene Owens in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And they tell a story that Gene allegedly hired a hitman to go after Penny. Is that a story? What do you make of that story? I can see your face. What, um, what do you think about that? I think it's insane. Um, like I said, Gene could be a character, but I'd, I'd be shocked someone who had shown as much empathy as he has to to be that. I've never known him to be angry. is isn't say he probably couldn't be, but I, I, and my father's the same way. I, I asked him, you know, hey, have you ever known Gene to be, you know, violent? And he's, you know, he hasn't either. And he's known him most of his life. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I've, I've been an, an attorney long enough to know what you do know and what you don't know, but as much of my involvement in this is strange to me, uh, I just I just don't see it. Switching gears now, years later, 2015, Jason Owens, uh, he gets arrested for the cod killings after he was caught dumping their stuff in a dumpster. And then just days later, he starts to confess or wrote a letter to law enforcement implicating Gene. I, I know you were probably in Raleigh at this point. Did your father know about this in 2015? I don't know if it was 2015. I know um, that at some point, uh, Gene had disclosed to my father that, that, that his nephew had implicated him in all this. And I, of course, having some experience in criminal law and, and all that, I mean, I, I kind of got the warning that at some point I might get a call on it. Um, I didn't, which is probably a good thing, but the... Gene knew about all of this uh, to some degree or another, and it really did bother him. Um, and I think part of the reason I'm agreeing to do this at all is that, you know, somebody probably ought to speak for him, and the family should know that the person who likely did kill Zeb Quinn entirely by himself is in prison now. And I'll spare you my commentary on what I think of the plea exactly, but, uh, you know. It is what it is. You said it bothered him. Give me a little bit more context. I don't know if you, well, I guess, I don't know if you were there, but what, how did that bother him? What, what about it? Go a little bit more in depth for me. So, um, 
Some of it I'm, I'm inclined not to comment on because I'm an attorney and I had talked to G a little bit about mm-hmm. some of this. I will say that um, the part I, I probably can talk about is that when he w- knew that he was dying in a few days, the one message he absolutely wanted to make clear was that he had nothing to do with the death of this kid. That was on his mind as he was dying. It bothered him that much. Um, Gene was a lot of things, but keeping his mouth shut would not actually be the thing that he was best at. So I'd be really surprised if he could take that to his grave if he had anything to do with it or that he would have the capacity. 2022, there's a plea deal offered. There's a narrative. It's about a 20 minute story. From Jason's perspective of what happens, of course, he alleges that Gene Owens was hired as a hitman. Um, Gene died in 2017, obviously. He's not there to defend himself. How did you react and your father when that was out in the media? So, um, the, the, I, I went and pulled up the transcript because, you know, lawyer. And reading through it, the thing that I took note of the most, uh, other than the whole thing, seems like a, a poorly written movie. Um, was that Gene didn't have a truck. And in the narrative, Robert Owens accuses his uncle of going to his truck, pulling out a gun and shooting Zeb Quinn. That's kind of absurd because Gene didn't really like trucks and he didn't own one at the time. And even I recall that. So there's an immediate hole in the story. Um, and the whole thing doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I think I find most of what happened with that plea kind of offensive in some ways, um, because I, I believe it ends up doing a little bit of an injustice. You've got a convenient fall guy in the form of Gene Owens because he's dead and can't speak up for himself. And... It's from a, a guy with a history of murder who's known to be a pathological liar. So I, I don't think it gives it a lot of credibility. What bothers me, though, is that now there's a court record that says a guy that I counted as, as kind of a pseudo-uncle myself um, killed somebody. It's a little ridiculous. And on top of that, why, why have that plea? Here's what I'll say. Ask yourself what the state and the family got out of accepting that plea deal. He's got an accessory after the fact charge that he's pled to. He got 10 years concurrently with his existing charges. What justice is served? You have, I think as the DA put, um, a legal acknowledgement that Zeb Quinn was murdered, but there's not really any punishment. There's no trial, there's no vindication, and the only thing that that really happened out of that is you kind of have a disappointing plea deal. I think you probably could have gotten second degree murder on that one if you tried really hard. And um, the name of, of, as far as I could tell, a good man's being dragged through the mud. What do you make of the courts and obviously the district attorney's office? You don't only have the Zeb Quinn case that there was a plea deal on. You have a plea deal in the Cod murders. Um, 
I'm, I'm generally reluctant to get too far into cases that aren't mine. I'll say this when I was looking over it. I think the Cod murders kind of went the way they might have. I think you, you could have tried that and gotten to first degree. But that's a maybe. You're having to prove what people thought. Um, so that one probably went about the way it was going to. And here's the thing. If, if you tried the Quinn murder, you might have a conviction for murder. Uh, and instead, we've got this kind of amorphous plea deal that um, I don't think the state got a lot out of it. I don't think the family gets a lot of benefit out of it. And it annoys me so much that I'm sitting here talking to the media. <laughs> um, I, I think if I were in the prosecutor's shoes, I'd have gone a different direction on that one. Um, but I'm more inclined to just try a case than a lot of people. And I'm going to ask this question because I think it's fair. Uh, obviously, you're a criminal defense attorney, so you're well uh, knowledgeable on investigations. And since it does loop Gene in this, in 2000, when the investigation started and then carrying forward, obviously there wasn't enough evidence for, for really anything in the Quinn case. The cause a different story. But to take a look and examine the investigative skills that were used, I mean, obviously it left with a, with a narrative you don't buy. Yeah, I don't. Um, and I'm not sure the DA's office buys it either, because early on when we got wind that there would be a plea in that case, I, I talked to my father and, and um, you know, he told me about the dying declaration that Gene had. And I, I just told the DA, I was like, hey, just so you know, um, you have this hearsay exception that could be used to shred this story at trial. <laughs> um, and uh, they, they didn't opt to do it. My understanding is that they, they took the conviction they thought they could get. I tend to disagree, but it's not my case. When you think back to Gene, when your father thinks back to Gene, and knowing that this is kind of his legacy in the, in the view of our courts, well, obviously that's upsetting. Well, yeah, it is, because the public record reflects that Gene was some hitman uh, who served as an errand boy over a, a weird love triangle. I, I, don't, I can't imagine Gene cared ever about any of this, if he even knew about any of it. I don't, I don't think he had any interaction with this at all. I, I do know from various stories that it was essentially estranged from his family. And I think my father having to pick up the body suggests that's true. So the whole thing is ridiculous to me that that's the public record. Um, enough that I, I've come out here. Why do you think Jason would implicate Gene? Look at his stories in uh, the other murders. He had alleged that that was an accident. He accidentally ran him over a few times. Um, and in this case, he's saying, well, I didn't kill him, but my, my uncle did. No one can contradict these stories. All he's doing is dodging the responsibility. He'll take that to his grave, I'm sure. Um, but it, it's, it's truthfully just a coward not wanting to be accountable. And I do believe that. I think what I find most intriguing, right? So Jason, for the Cod murders, 
in jail for the rest of his life. Right. So essentially, what's the point of even telling this story? You're not getting out of prison. Um, yeah, that's what I don't get either. I mean, that's that's where I call it cowardly. Uh, you don't benefit from this. You're just saying, well, I didn't kill anybody. You're already in prison for the rest of your life, probably. And absent some miraculous change in the law or, or appeal, he's going to stay there. Um, there is no benefit other than dragging someone through the mud to avoid your own accountability. Would you say accountability lacks across this entire case saga? I would say accountability lacks across our entire justice system in a lot of ways. Um, I do get the realities of criminal prosecution and criminal defense. Um, this case is really emblematic of how bad it can be. I want to switch back to Gene. Obviously, you're here. You're talking with us. You went out of your way to, to try to clear Gene's name. What do you want his lasting legacy to be? I want him to be known as someone that would bend over backwards to help people. Uh, and someone who was truly empathetic and kind. He was something else. He was interesting, but he was definitely empathetic, kind, caring, and, and thoughtful. Um, he was definitely a product of where he grew up. Uh, and, and he was a car and mountain guy. That is its own breed for those who know what I'm talking about. Um, but he, I, I don't like the idea of his legacy being as, um, an alleged murderer. And I have a real hard time believing any of that might be true. What would you say to Jason? You got me with one I hadn't thought of. Um, nothing. And here's why. I believe some people are beyond help. And uh, if he wants to be a miserable creature locked away indefinitely with no hope of redemption, he's free to do so but he's not free to be out in the public. My last question, since this will be part of the Good Kid franchise, do you think justice was served? No. Uh, I, I think uh, it's a little bit of an injustice across the board. The state didn't get much benefit out of this conviction. There is no additional punishment for uh, Jason and Owens, the family is not any better off really for this other than maybe being able to be technically done with it. And those of us who, who know Gene are kind of annoyed that at the end of the day, his good name has really been drugged through the mud pretty horribly. Um, I rather sincerely question the DA's choices in some of these. Um, again, not my case. This story has many twists and turns, which we've noticed over the several episodes of this podcast. And the truth is we never are really gonna know. I think that adds to the mystery of these cases. Yes, the case for the Quinn matter, as well as the Cod matter has been closed from a legal stance, but 
there's not really an ending. There's not a bow to really conclude this story, this mystery, ending that. You just have Jason's side of events, which he would have every reason to deflect his guilt. Who else could shed some light on this case? I think there's been two names that have been brought up through this case um, since day one, since the investigation started, and that would be Misty Taylor and Wesley Smith. We've never had a chance to speak to them. Uh, We've attempted several times, but what I'm curious to know is how this impacted their lives. And we know that they were interviewed by APD. They were questioned, but they were never listed as a person of interest, either one of them. Never charged with anything, but as you just mentioned, they had those interviews and they were looked at and uh, they were even in the the Spin Magazine article. So they've been attached to this case for so long. I would just be curious to hear from them and get their perspective on everything. Maybe they'll reach out to us. We never know. But the major question, was justice served in these cases? Is that something that can truly ever be answered? Still unknown. But until next time, I'm Samir Nafsi. And I'm Holly Hedrick. And this has been A Good Kid, the 22-year murder mystery of Zeb Quinn. We did reach out to the Quinn family, Schoen family, and Cod family. They all chose not to participate in this project, wanting to move on from this long saga. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Good Kid, the 22-year murder mystery of Zeb Quinn. If you're not already, make sure to follow this channel to stay up to date on all of our episodes. Also, leave us a review and feel free to give us a rating. It really helps boost our show. Until next time, I'm Samir Nefsi.